Today's episode of GM Street is brought to you by the Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Turn this NFL season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League and be the GM of your team. You could be like Michael Lombardi. You could be a GM of a team. You could do it. It's that simple. Just go to Yahoo. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. So when you play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. But to get in on the wins, you have to get in on the season, folks. So don't miss your chance to play on the best fantasy football platform on the planet. Join a league now at yahoo.com slash GM Street Fantasy Football. You can be the next Lombardi. GM Street is also brought to you by Halo Top. Halo Top is ice cream's biggest game changer. And you know Michael Lombardi loves his ice cream. With Halo Top, you can enjoy all the flavor and all the deliciousness of ice cream without all the guilt. Halo Top is less than 360 calories per pint, but it's still delicious and creamy just like ice cream should be. Halo Top is packed with 20 grams of protein per pint. They have over 20 incredible flavors to choose from, like vanilla bean, cinnamon roll, even pancakes and waffles. Finally, you can stop avoiding ice cream and enjoy Halo Top. So it turns out you don't need to worry about willpower. You can just get Halo Top and you'll be fine. Uh, Halo Top is available nationwide. Find your pint at halotop.com. Follow them on social media at halotopcreamery, halotop.com. Now let's get into the episode of GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is July 16th. It has been almost... It's a little under a month since the last time I've had Mike Lombardi on the line, and uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that he called in from the Jersey Shore. Uh, Mr. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm doing good, Tate Frazier. Man, there's a lot of stuff. You've been in Vegas. You've been in Dallas. You've been all over the world. I mean, you went to North Carolina to see your mom and dad, spreading the word. I love it. Yeah, I've been all over the place. Went to uh, Chapel Hill, went back home, uh, you know, saw the Dean Dome. Saw a good friend of mine, James Michael McAdoo, a former uh, Philadelphia Sixer. Heard about his season last year. Uh, he says that you got some promising pieces up there in Philadelphia. I know you'd be happy to hear that. Um, yeah, went to Dallas this weekend with uh, the Against All Odds crew. Um, saw Vince Young throw, throw a pass to Harry of the DGN 3, of course. Um, and Harry made a great play. A nice little button hook. He came back, made the dive. Uh, so uh, Vince Young was very pleased with that. Called him Jordan Shipley. Uh, 2.0, so that was nice. Uh, so it's been a good time. I know, I know you're loving your life on the Jersey Shore right now. Um, we got a we got we got a little bit of football to talk about because today um, we have the uh, franchise deadline that's coming up within the hour. Actually, we're recording this at uh, 12:35 uh, Pacific time. Um, the deadline is uh, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And Lombardi, so about a half hour. Yeah, about a half hour before it all happens. But uh, the, the the big names that are out there, we got four names that everyone's keeping an eye on uh, as far as guys to watch out for what they're going to do. The big name, obviously, is, is Le'Veon Bell. That's the one that everyone is talking about. Should we just start with that? I mean, Le'Veon Bell, Mike Tomlin comes out and he says he has uh, uh, confidence that they're going to get a deal done. That obviously happened last year, same sort of deal. Um, what are you hearing about Le'Veon? And do you think that uh, we can finally reach that benchmark of 16 to 17 million a year that he's asking for? I just don't think in today's climate, all due respect to Saquon Barkley getting all the money that he got guaranteed being the second pick in the draft, I don't sense an appetite from teams to want to pay running backs at the top of the scale. You know, and I, and I think the best thing that can happen to Steeler fans, and I think Le'Veon Bell's a great player. I mean, the, the fact that he can catch the ball in the backfield, the fact that he can impact the passing game, makes him a dynamic ish, issue to deal with, with defensively. But the reality here is, is, when you start to commit these guaranteed dollars to these running backs, 
you really eat up your cap, and I just don't think Pittsburgh's in that position to do it. They have too many needs other places to really focus and worry about. I think they would be making a mistake. I think the best thing for Pittsburgh is to have Le'Veon Bell miss all of camp and not get hurt. Make sure he doesn't get hurt, miss all of camp, come in the Tuesday before the regular season opener, get ready to play, rotate, alternate. The Steelers need to find another back to go with them, which they have a bunch on the roster, which they easily can do. They've got some talent there. And then go from there and then find their way. Because I think if they lock themselves down, they make a mistake. It's a little bit the theory of renting and buying. I mean, you rent a home or you buy a home. If you're only going to use a summer house in Ocean City for a couple of weeks, you might as well just rent. If you're going to be there more than just a couple of weeks, you should probably buy it and get the deduction. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. If you feel like he's going to be on the team for five years, then you should do a contract. If you don't, and that's what running backs tell us they won't be, you should just rent. And we should say, uh, th- this is not just about 2018. This is about him being, in 2019, a free agent. And a lot of people think that, you know, if Le'Veon is franchised for that third straight year, that he is probably going to walk in free agency um, and try to find another suitor because, you know, he's obviously every single year tried to figure out this long-term deal and Pittsburgh keeps putting it off. I mean, it, do, you, do you read anything into Mike Tomlin really putting it out there that he thinks a deal is going to get done? Is that his way to sort of try to put it out there that he really wants Le'Veon to stay in Pittsburgh? You know, I think Mike has to do that. I think part of when a coach doesn't do contracts, he's got to really almost side sometimes with the players. When the coach is intimately involved in the contracts, like in New England or some other places where you know, Kyle Shanahan is in San Francisco, where he knows what's going on with the numbers, then he should take a step back. But Mike doesn't control the numbers in Pittsburgh. The ownership group does. And I think Mike wants to show loyalty to his players. He wants them to have them, know he has them for a long time, because the last thing he wants to do is send a message to Le'Veon that he just really wants them for one year and that's it. So I think he's got to delicately balance this, and that's why when he came out today, he said he expected to get a deal done. I don't think anybody in the league that really understands the workings of the league thought that this was going to get a deal done. The Steelers doesn't make sense to pay all that money to rent a running back when they always have done, which is the most important thing, which is replace the player when they know they need to replace the player. So what you're saying is, uh, based on what you're saying, basically, is the Steelers aren't going to invest in Le'Veon Bell long term, so he's most likely going to you know, find a new team in 2019 if, if it all plays out like it looks right now as we currently stand here you know, in the middle of July. Um, but with Le'Veon Bell, I mean, what is his market like? I mean, is there a chance that he goes out to the, to the market next season as a free agent and gets a, a, an Adrian Peterson-like deal that he got with the Vikings back in the day? Or, or is that not the market for running backs anymore? Does that not exist? Is there, is, I mean, I is, is there the no Curtis big contract? Deal, I think yeah. the Curtis Martin deal is kind of an, uh, an aberration. I don't think it happens anymore, even though this player is outstanding. I just don't see people saying, look, we're going we're gonna to put a bunch of our cap money into a running back. Now, the Giants did it. The Giants used a second-round pick to get the second most guaranteed money to any running back in the National Football League. That tells you the Giants think their team's really good. That tells you the Giants think that he'll make a difference for them, and he might. But I think what Le'Veon's got, you know, you got Zeke coming up in a couple of years. Like, Gurley you know there's going to be a couple, you know, Yep. I think the contract that startled me where I would never predict a player wouldn't get paid is the contract that the Browns gave Jarvis Landry. I mean, because when you really break Jarvis Landry down, the guy's an inside slot receiver. And if you want to pay a premium for that, God bless you. Same thing with Le'Veon. If you want to pay a premium for the running back, God bless you. So you can never say somebody won't pay a premium. However, I just think teams are smarter with their cap dollars. And look, Pittsburgh has to find a way to say to themselves, look, we may... We may like Le'Veon, we need him on the team, but maybe we just have to go with James Conner a little bit. Maybe we just have to find some other back that we can utilize in the draft in the second or third round and use like most teams do by committee. 
And do you think that Le'Veon is not a guy like, you know, we talked about Gronkowski before. You can't really quantify him as a tight end. He's something different. He's an offensive weapon. Do you think that uh, Le'Veon is in that same group where he's not going to go out to the market as a, a quintessential running back piece? He's going to go out as a, you know, an, an X factor or whatever you want to call him, a secret weapon or whatever on offense and, and get paid a certain type of way other outside of what the normal running back market is? Because I think that's what he's saying. You know, that's what he's putting out to the world that he thinks he should be making, you know, what we're talking about Gronkowski or, or OBJ for that matter. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they rise above necessarily what they are positionally. No, no doubt they do. And his impact in the passing game is staggering. I mean, he can go out and line up outside the receivers. He can line up on the outside. He can run routes and he can make plays outside away outside the numbers, which is hard to do. You know, and you can't just put anybody on him. You've got to put somebody that can cover somebody that's, that's sophisticated in pass defense and handle him. And, you know, he can get the ball in space. It's a little bit like Todd Gurley. I mean, Todd Gurley averages 10 yards a catch last year. That was staggering with what he can do. I mean, Le'Veon only averaged seven seven a catch last year, which was down from his career. You know, but typically he can make an impact in the passing game, and the longer he can do that, you you get paid more because you can be affect the downs that really matter. So, you know, look, I would never say never a guy's going to get paid, but I have a hard time believing there's not enough backs. It's supply and demand. You see a back, there's plenty of them. You can go get. Is it as good as Le'Veon? No. Are they as good as Saquon? Perhaps no, but. Sonny Michelle, Sonny Michelle went to the bottom of the first round, and Barkley went in the top of the first round. You know, is there that much of a difference between the two? We're going to find out. Yeah, we really will. And you talk about supply and demand. Let's talk about another position where there, every every team is looking for a supply of these guys. And we're talking about the the quintessential edge rusher, uh, a guy like Ziggy Anza uh, of Detroit, who's now going to probably you know take his one year seventeen million dollar deal. Same with Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas, and they know that that market will be there for that pass rusher because every team is looking for that guy on the outside. I mean, look at you know look at a guy like Julius Peppers who's thirty eight years old and still has value in the NFL just because he has that unique skill set to do that and the, and that freak athleticism to do that um so when you look at lawrence and anza that's not a surprise that both those guys are going to lean in and take those uh those, those 17 million dollar deals correct you know i think anza could dominate the game i think i think matt patricia being a new coach there he's got to figure out actually what does he have in this player and can he utilize him in a scheme because remember they're going to run a 34 defense anza really doesn't have a position in the 34 defense he's going to be an, a, an outside rusher when they go to a down front so he's going to have a role rushing the passer, and if he wants to run up the field, he won't get paid. If he'll play the run and play the downs, then I think he's got a chance to get paid. But I think this is just another rental. I think that the Lions are going to look at him and say, hey, what do we have in this player? Is he worth it? Where can we go? Can he stay healthy enough for us to want to pay him a long-term deal? I don't see that happen. I think the whole pay structure that's going on in that, that's happening that will happen in Detroit is to get away from trying to overpay these players. They just got forced into it this year because when you look at this guy, I mean, the guy's got, you know, he's got tremendous sack ability. He had 14 sacks two years ago. He had 13 sacks as a rookie. So you know he can pressure the passer. You know he can, call, you know he can play the run. He can play all three downs. He's a really good player. I just don't see them doing that. Now, Dallas, on the other hand, I don't think Dallas, I think Dallas will pay Lawrence because I think it's critical in Rod Marinelli's defense to have a player like Lawrence, and I think they need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it seems like one of those things where 
Lawrence and Anza are very aware of the market that they are in and, and know that by leaning back into these deals, that's not necessarily hurting them uh, for a larger contract down the road like someone like Le'Veon Bell who plays at a position where that is the case. Let's talk about one more guy, and that is LaMarcus Joyner with the Rams, uh, the safety there. He, he's got a one-year $11.3 million tender, um, and the Rams are trying to figure out what they want to do. I know Kroenke is, you know, he says you got to pay the stars if you're in this city because people want to come watch stars. Joyner, uh, you know, qualifies as one of those guys, but they have, you know, obviously big names out there. They got Aaron Donald that they still have to figure out and get him a long-term deal. Uh, you know, he, he really bet on himself last year and continued to dominate inside for them. Uh, Gurley's coming up in a couple years. Obviously, Jared Goff is, you know, still on his rookie deal, but eventually they're going to have to pay him the big bucks. So they have a window right now with Goff, uh, with the, the cheap salary that he has to make a run. And do you think they're going to take Joyner and try to give him a long-term deal or they're just going to rent him out this year and see what happens? I, I think Joyner's going to be their J.J. Redick. I think they're going to pay him on a one-year deal and just mm-hmm. let that cap money go over in the next year for Donald, go over into Gurley. They got to pay Gurley. I mean, yep. the one player besides Donald that they have to play is Gurley. Because when you really spend the offseason, and I think the Rams are going to be a fascinating team to study in September, because I think Sean McVay did a tremendous job with Goff. He understood what he could do, but Gurley made it go. And when people really stop the Rams offense, it's when they stop Gurley. If Gurley gets hurt, if he were to take a step backwards, it would really affect the offense. Gurley drives the machine, not Goff. I think, you know, we talked about this before. Goff was the worst quarterback in the playoffs. Goff has a hard time throwing the ball to his right. When you really study Goff and you break him down and you see what he does, and teams have done it this offseason, trust me, everybody has watched the, the, the Los Angeles Rams offensive tape. They run very little they run very little drop-back pass. They run all play-action stuff. They help Goff tremendously at the line of scrimmage. They help him where to throw the football. And if Gurley doesn't keep him in those situations where they're out of a lot of third down, third and long, third, third, third and long situations, they wouldn't have been as effective as they were. So I think they just one-year tender with Joyner. I mean, to me, I would have never franchised Joyner. I mean, nobody's driving to the stadium wondering how Marcus Joyner's going to play. Trust me, he's a good player, but nobody's sitting there saying, I can't wait to get to the stadium to watch a 5'8 guy play free safety. I don't think that's ever going to happen. So my point to you is I, I think they got other fish to fry. Yeah, and it seems like that's the case uh, with Joyner. Still coming down to the wire. People are, are keeping their eye on him to see what happens there. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and do Word on the Street and do uh, just some some little stories that are popping around the NFL, and uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Be right back. This is J.J. Redick here to talk to you about the J.J. Redick Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Currently, I play in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers, but you may know me from my previous teams, the LA Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Orlando Magic, or from my college days at Duke University. Being a professional basketball player, I have a great opportunity to talk to a lot of interesting people, and the podcast is a place where I can share those conversations with you, the listener. On my show, I sit down with athletes, celebrities, and a variety of other special guests. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the JJ Reddick Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Word on the street, uh, GM Street tradition. This is uh, the middle of July, so football talk is, uh, you know, dying down a little bit. It's a tough time in sports, Lombardi, because, you know— It really is. You know, I mean, it's really—like I said to you on the last podcast, it's the time— to catch up on books. It's the time for coaches. They got another week off before they go back in the office. And I'll tell you, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a week off, the one book you should read is called Willpower by Ben Hardy. It's Mm -hmm. about how Willpower 
does it really exist? And it's so true. You know, you all say we're going to go on a diet, and then we walk by the candy aisle, and we grab something to eat, and we say, God dang it, our willpower just didn't help us. Ben really does a great job of explaining, really, that it's not willpower. It's our situations. It's about how we put ourselves and how we our routine affects our habits. It's one of the best reads I've ever had. It's in there with obstacle is the way in terms of helping a coach grow and develop. So for me, this last week, Tate Frazier, and you should read this book, too, because even though you're skinny and you don't have to worry about your diet, you know, willpower in other areas will help. I agree. Willpower always helps. Uh, and, and but it doesn't exist. It, you can't, it, it really doesn't. Everybody says they need more willpower when reality mm-hmm. of it is, is it's really about your, it's about your ski. It's about your, your, uh, your lifestyle. It's about your habits and it's about what you choose to do in your routine to really create that. And so if you want to change something, you got to change who you are. It just isn't saying I'm just not going to eat that piece of candy. Cause trust me as a fat guy, I can't <laughs> stop eating a piece of candy. <laughs> so you're saying the, the, and I'm here in ocean city and I go up on the boardwalk and I swear I'm not going to get ice cream. And next thing you know, I'm in line waiting at Coors Brothers with Dominic and Leo. You know, so, you know, who, and I went up there swearing I wasn't going to get ice cream. You deserve that ice cream. So, But are you saying the phrase, "There's a where there's a will, there's a way, is a farce? Is that what you're saying right now? Oh, well, that's a will and determination. That okay. isn't a willpower and okay. stop eating. There's okay. a little bit of a you. semantical problem. All right, good. I got it. It's all okay, semantic. Let's all semantic. carry on. Uh, speaking of semantics, uh, Terrell Owens comes out and says uh, that he will not go to his fall, Hall of Fame induction. Uh, this is his way to sort of protest the way it was all handled. And, you know, he was obviously upset with the the original uh, prognosis not to let him into the Hall uh, the first time around. So T.O. is not going to go. There's been a lot of people that have opinions on this. Uh, I think Michael Irvin came out and said he should go. And, you know, th- there's this whole back and forth about whether he should, whether he shouldn't. But at the end of the day, uh, it is T.O.'s decision. But Terrell Owens not going to go to his Hall of Fame induction. Uh, what does that mean, Lombardi, if anything? I mean, it really just is, it's it's a little bit to me. And I'm, I think Terrell's right. He should have been in the Hall of Fame earlier. There's no doubt. But there's a time to when you get recognized to bury the hatchet. I mean, it's, there's time to have you know, people in your life that even though they haven't treated you the best that you should forgive and forget because you're bigger than that and you've just won this award mm-hmm. and you're going to get a gold jacket and you might as well go stand with some of the other great players because they're letting you in their hall and I think it's really, it's really not it's typical of T.O. and what it's done Tate Frazier, it's given all the people who said he's a jerk, given all the people who said he didn't belong Ammunition. it's given them credence mm-hmm. when they when it's just an easy thing to do now, I know he's talking about the money and the party and all that stuff. Well, look, you don't have to have a party. You only need three or four people around you that can enjoy it and appreciate it. So, I mean, it's great he's going back to Chattanooga to go sit there and honor himself. But for me personally, I think he gives himself – he hurts himself and gives his, he gives his adversaries credibility by, by not showing up. And on the flip side of that, I mean, what do you think about the Hall of Fame? They, they say they're not going to show his, you know, they, they do like the montage video where they show all the career highlights and people celebrate them. Uh, they said they're not going to show T.O. because he's not going to show up. I mean, that's one of those other things where... <laughs> I mean, you just you know, backed him in a corner, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, you know, they, they basically extended themselves and then he slapped them. They're not going to take a slap in the face. I mean, what do you expect them to do? Yeah. yeah. You know, they're going to honor a guy who's basically slapping them in the face. I mean, really, seriously, why would you do that? You know, if you don't, if he doesn't want to be a part of it, then don't be a part of it. Just stay, you know, exclude him. We'll give him the jacket. He's welcome. He's got a lifetime pass to get into the Hall of Fame anytime he wants. But to me, you know, his work on the field deserves more than what he's given it. It deserves more respect. And he's not respecting himself by not showing up. Absolutely. We we should talk about that, you know, that performance in the Super Bowl. I mean, the man basically played on a broken leg and uh, 
right. still was dominant. So, I mean, I think a lot of people forget how much T.O. cared. I mean, I think a lot of people remember what, you know, the Tony Romo, he's my quarterback. Uh, you know, he really, really cared about the game of football. And uh, it's unfortunate the way that it, that it's being handled. Um, I, I, feel, I feel for T.O., um, I wish he was able to go, but you know, people were principled, and sometimes you know, people uh, take stands on things, and that's what's that's that's what's going on here with To. Um, another story that came up: Patrick Peterson, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, he comes out and he says that he would like Sam Bradford to be the starting quarterback instead of the tenth pick, Josh Rosen, for the Arizona Cardinals this year. Uh, I mean, is there anything interesting there? I mean, most vets like to have vets uh, be the starting quarterback. Obviously, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt. I think look, if you're if you're if Patrick Peterson, you want to win, and you know the fact that Ben Roethlisberger took his team to the Super Bowl in his rookie year. Nobody remembers that, even though Tommy Maddox was the starting quarterback of the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and that Ben had to come in for an injured player. So I I think that, you know, when you say we're playing a rookie, you're basically saying you're not going to the Super Bowl. And I don't think Patrick Peterson, what he's saying, I'd rather have Sam Bradford because I really think we can go to the Super Bowl. I think our team's better. I think the Cardinals are going to be a really interesting team, whether their offensive line's been rebuilt. One thing we know for sure, Josh Rosen's going to play because Sam Bradford playing 16 games is just like me not going to the boardwalk eating ice cream. It ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> so you know he's not playing 16 games. You know something's going to happen. Rosen better be ready. Rosen will be ready. He said he, you know, they made nine mistakes uh, in front of him, and he seems to be very, uh, he's very self-assured. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about uh, Ben McAdoo, uh, a star. Oh, a star. Were you not happy? I mean, <laughs> a star I was up on, on the this boardwalk. Program. I was up on the boardwalk with Dominic, and we went for a bike ride, and I stopped at this place to get a donut naturally because I have no willpower, <laughs> and, and, and I saw this menu, and it just so happened to be the same day that my man came out of the woodwork. I mean, yes. he's come out of the woodwork. He's got, I mean, it's great. I love reading. Ben's got an opinion on Baker Mayfield. He's got an opinion on everything. He didn't, he, 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 and of course, what does he naturally do? He goes and kisses Odell Beckham's ass again. <laughs> That's look, he's, he's a man by his own principles. And uh, like I said, some people take a stand. He stands up for OBJ. All that he—that's all he can do at this point. But McAdoo, yeah, but uh, he, how did he, he let him down? He let him down because he didn't run enough D slant. I mean, did he not call enough slant plays for for Odell? I mean, how did he let him down? I, I don't, don't know. understand. His Waffle House menu uh, did not work out in the end, unfortunately. But it was good to see uh, McAdoo uh, pull a McAdoo and go out and basically call out every team in the NFC East and say how much he you know he he doesn't think anything of Washington and you know the Eagles. They you know if at least they finally got one. I mean, it was. It was it was great to have him back in, in in the sphere of media. Now people are saying he should get a TV gig, so uh, we may get more of Ben McAdoo's Oakleys. That's all we can say. Uh, now. You know, look, I, I think everybody's entitled to opinion. I mean, what he said about the Eagles. I mean, look, that's a hard thing to do. Repeat. We know that, right? We understand it's hard to repeat, but you know, the Eagles seem to feel like they, you know, they went through it last year, and people said they couldn't do it. I mean, everywhere I go in New Jersey, I see the Eagles mask out. The underdog. I mean, this year they're going to be the hunted, not the, not the hunt, not 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 the hunter. So it'll be how they handle it. But I mean, look, the everybody. What I find fascinating, Tate Frazier, is everybody calls the NFC East the dominant division. Like mm-hmm. Parcells is still coaching it. Like Tom Landry still coaching or Jimmy Johnson. Like there are there are like some really bad. Other than Philly, like who has a good team in that division? Yeah, and Dallas's defense is just—I mm-hmm. mean, it's predicate. Like what McAdoo said is true. Sean Lee, if he gets hurt, their whole defense falls apart, right? Yep. yep. Washington—they can't—they they can't stay healthy. Washington has a new quarterback. I mean, you know, Bruce Allen is the general manager of the Redskins. Look up that record and see how they've done since he's been there. You know, it's below forty percent win percentage. So why are they any good? And and Allen's been there for I think almost seven years now. Mm-hmm. So, like, what somebody has to explain to me how this NFC East perception is so good. 
Like, I, I don't get it. Like the NFC North, yeah, Detroit's good. They're they're not bad. They're a good team. Pitts, I mean, Green Bay, good team. Aaron Rodgers comes back. Minnesota, Minnesota really good yep. team. You know, mm-hmm. Chicago's got a lot of. There's four teams you could sit there and say. I mean, what Dallas because they had one good year. You know, and, and, and you know, and then the quarterback is good, and then Des Bryant, you know, he's supposed to be great. Oh no, he can't even get a job now. I mean, it's a myth. See, this is what happens in the NFL. The mythology carries on. Like everybody thinks the NFC East is this dominant division when we know it's not. I mean, really, seriously, it's one of the weakest ones there. But they have the Super Bowl champs, so that's what everyone's focusing on. But they do, and I mean, give them all the respect in the world. But Mm -hmm. when you look at it, you know, when you look at it and you say, okay, great, you know, like, where are those teams? I mean, you know, Washington plays the 14th easiest schedule this year. Dallas plays the 15th easiest schedule this year. You know, so when you start to look at it, I mean, if they were playing a lot of tough teams, I mean, they would be in the top. They're not. So I, I just don't see it. I mean, the Giants play the eighth hardest schedule this year, you know. The Bears play the eighth hardest schedule. The Cardinals play the eighth. So for me, I, I think it's a lot of mythology. It's always a lot of mythology, especially uh, in the offseason in the middle of July. Everyone's uh, going out there and saying all types of things. One of those guys that did that was Cliff Averill of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he says that Earl Thomas, we all know he loves the Cowboys, which has you know, created a little bit of stir that Earl Thomas wants to get out of Seattle and go down to Dallas to help that defense. Uh, I don't know how much you buy into this, but... Like I said, it's July and there's all this stuff floating around. So this is the time that people talk. So uh, is there anything to take into the idea that Earl Thomas wants to go to Dallas? That, that's something that's floated around before. Uh, I mean, look, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously Dallas has had a chance to trade for him. They haven't done it. Dallas has got to figure out their cap situation. I mean, I think Dallas would need to get Landry done. I mean, need to get Lawrence done before they would trade for Earl Thomas. The free safety is an important position in Marinelli's defense. No lie. But I think, look, if a player wants to go somewhere, I mean, all players want to play somewhere else. They always think it's always the grass is greener. I mean, it's just really newspaper fodder is really what it is. Yeah, uh, that's what it seems like. But uh, I had some people, I was down in Dallas this weekend, like you mentioned before, and uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about how much they were they want Earl Thomas to come down to Dallas, which I found very interesting, as if uh, it had been put down like there. Like, that's going to really make a difference in their defense. <laughs> they think right? so. I mean, like, they well, believe in the Clapper and his, and his defensive ways with Marinelli by his I, side. I'd say the Clapper's got another week off. I hope he reads <laughs> willpower. <laughs> Let's send it to him. Let's get his address. Let's send him the book. <laughs> That'd be nice. Maybe some ice cream from the Jersey Shore, too. Yeah, we'll send him. We'll send him Gridiron Genius too, Tate Fraser. We oh, will send go. him that if we'll read that one. I uh, I just started reading it, so I, I'll get done and then I'll, I'll send my copy to him just so he has. There it. you go, sign it. Yeah, that, that'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. All right. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Lombardi? Nope. I'm excited to get started back again. I think when do we start on a regular rotation? What the beginning of August? I'm going to go to some camps here next week. I'm going to sit down, start watching some tape with some people and breaking down teams. So look forward to talking about it all, Tate Frazier. Yeah, I can't wait. I will be in Columbus, Ohio with the with Mark Titus this weekend. The number one pick of the 2007 NBA draft, Greg Oden. I'm going to play some golf with Greg Oden, uh, Mike Lombardi. I nice. know you love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, the Sixers, I, I taped the ba- I taped, said Tate Frazier, just so you know, I taped every summer league game. I love I've it. I've been watching it. I love it. It's, it's, un- it's really unwatchable. It's, no. <laughs> unwatchable. It is, it's unwatchable. It is unwatchable. I mean, you can't. You can't tell who's a good player based on that. No, but Kevin Although Knox. I will say this. I will say this, and I have it verified. I thought Mitchell Robinson was going to be a good player. Yes. And he looks five-star. like he could be a good player. You're, you're yeah. like you're like Mac Brown with basketball. I'm Mac Brown. Yeah. I, I saw you he was a five-star. Star. Yep, yep, that's all it took. And, and, you know, Kevin Knox looks like he's going to be a good player. I get Five-star. The Knicks are back. They're back. They got two five-stars. That's all you got to do. Draft the five-stars and see what happens. The Mac Brown, Mac Brown way of life. We love it. We love it here on GM all right, Street. Buddy. All right, well, this has been another edition of GM Street. 
We will be back uh, in a couple of weeks, and then we will get this thing rolling for uh, another fun field and uh, ridiculous season of NFL football. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave Fraser. <laughs>